Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we're going to look at the gospel reading for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. If you'd like to listen to all the readings for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, you can do so on the readings podcast that was dropped previous to this episode. So we're in St. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44, and a lot is happening. It really is Jesus showing up and pulling up his sleeves and getting down and dirty, mixing with everybody, healing, fixing all the problems. And the first big situation is Jesus went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teachings. I think this is amazing. This is great, for his word possessed authority. He was teaching them in such a way that they saw that he exuded the authority of what he was saying. And it wasn't that he was a good motivational speaker, not that he spoke louder or clearer than anyone else. He carried the gravitas in what he was saying. And I think everybody can kind of think about someone that they've heard speak uh, mm -hmm. that just, there's just a different feeling. Yeah. And this is like that, except magnified by, you know, tenfold, because this is Jesus, and he, he just has this authority about him. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it's interesting that it, it not only does he show up and have that authority, people recognize it. It's not just brushed off. But then something happens. And this is verse 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's a huge statement. Uh, it's a huge, well, frankly, it's a scary event. I can't imagine a demon-possessed guy showing up and yelling at everybody. And then, frankly, he calls Jesus out. And, and what's um, what's interesting here is there's kind of two identifications mm -hmm. going on. One, uh, the people in the synagogue know that this man is demon-possessed. I mean, they, they somehow recognize that he has this issue that he's dealing with. But then probably more significant here that we see throughout the Gospel of Luke is the demon recognizing, identifying Jesus yeah. for who he truly is. Um, and this is something we see, uh, as I mentioned, throughout Luke. Uh, and I don't think it's, I think it's not until chapter nine where um, where someone besides a demon right. actually truly identifies Jesus uh, as, as the Lord's Christ when Peter makes that really great confession in Luke chapter nine. But the first eight chapters, I think it's only demons who are who are correctly identifying Jesus and here's one of those instances. Well, and what's interesting about that is this confession statement is not a statement of faith. This demon is not saying I believe in Jesus as Messiah and Lord. He's making a statement. I know who you are. 
Mm-hmm. And I like what you said. It's an identifying mark or marker. And with this, again, the demon calls Jesus out. And this is a loaded statement because uh, we have the miracle at, compar- at uh, the wedding at Cana. And Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. And with the demon making this statement, I wonder if he's trying to threaten Jesus and hasten the timeline, the the death, and Mm. uh, try to mess the plan. If I announce who you are, people will miss what you have come to do. You know, I I don't know. Or maybe maybe, um, stir up people against Jesus. uh, Because, I mean, really, the Holy One of God, (laughs) that that kind of um, gets at what Jesus will later reveal about himself as being the son of God, right. which is really the the charge of blasphemy that, that gets him in serious hot water later in the Gospels. Well, and, and the, the problem with that is you're the Holy One of God, and then he does the things that only the Holy One of God can do. Yeah. So he ends up proving it uh, by, by doing all these following miracles. But again, you have the demon. He is the first one who points out who Jesus is. and But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And then the crowd was all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. And reports went about to him every place in the surrounding region. I get a lot of weird questions that mean absolutely nothing. This is what happens every day in the office, by the way. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of weird questions. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I, I liked a statement that you, you just made. Uh, the idea that the people knew that this man was demon-possessed. Why is he, why is he at the synagogue? I, I think that's neat. I, I, I have no experience with demon possession, and I truly pray to God I don't. But the whole idea that he's at this place where he would hear God's word, he would hear the law, he would hear the promise of the coming Messiah, so on and so forth. Why is he there? We don't have an answer. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I've never thought about that. Uh, maybe uh, just my gut reaction, just me speculating, maybe he's there to try to— you know, mess with the people who are there, trying mm-hmm. to sow doubt or division within the people. <laughs> I don't know. Everything's on the table because I'm curious. Um, did people know that Jesus was coming, and this man was brought by friends, family? Mm. Maybe you know. I, I you know I don't know. I think it's interesting in a good way that this demon possessed man is there. I also think it's really interesting that he interrupts the service. He interrupts what's happening. And the reason I like this is that's exactly what uh, our sin does. This is exactly what death does. This is the the plan of Satan to interrupt, disrupt life. And the very life is present in Christ. And as Christ is speaking, as Christ is teaching, the demon through the will of Satan, however that happens— 
interrupts. And I, I like that, thinking about that, uh, taking that fo- thought a little further is we even have the interruption in the synagogue. So yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we could all relate to times where we're in church and there's whatever kind of interruption pops up that that kind of brings you out of what is actually taking place right. in that time and space. So it's interesting. But who is in control? And I really like this. Jesus with a loud voice. Jesus, with power and might, commands, be silent and come out of him. I don't think he yells at him. I don't think he makes a big spectacle. He just exercises who and what he is. I also think this is why the people are amazed, because he just says, be silent, come out. I don't think he whispers. I don't think he, uh, like I said, yells. I do think he raises his voice to be heard. I'm sure people are talking, people are scared. But the fact that he says something and it happens. And it gives the sense that this is unlike anything uh, the people here have ever seen or maybe even heard about because um, it's it's truly with the power of a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a result that comes from that. So, I mean, the implications, the connections of that are all over the place for us in Scripture with kind of the full full picture in mind. But having been in the room, that had to be uh, pretty amazing to witness it at the time. Well, yeah. and I, I mean, I'm making an assumption that the people gathered to, in the synagogue know their Old Testament. They've heard the prophets preaching. They've heard the prophets healing, doing these miracles, but it was always when God told them to do it. They, the prophets became intermediate. They are the ones who were used by God. We didn't hear a voice from God talking to Jesus, hey, there's a demon over there. Go rescue him. Go save him. Go cast him out. Jesus acts on his own, in his own accord, in and with the connected will of God, Father, and Holy Spirit, but there, exercising his power, his might, that is God at work, rescuing, saving, and showing his power. And I think the key word here really in this in this of the gospel reading is authority. Yes. Um, you were kind of just dancing around, yeah. there, around it there, but that, that's really what's on full display. Um, well, in, in good display, not yes. full display, but good yeah. display that Jesus, um, he has authority uh, even over spiritual things, yeah. uh, you know, demon possession, something that uh, is a spiritual problem. And his authority in this case and in other cases comes through just through, through word, which is pretty amazing. Well, I, uh, yes, and I love the authority aspect of that because we don't have a God who comes with an iron fist to exercise his authority. He does his authority by rescuing, having mercy. You did a Bible study not too long ago where you talked about compassion. Mm-hmm. That is where the authority, because it's authority over life, it's authority over death, it's authority over creation. It's authority even over the demons. And again, going back to the prophets, we hear them healing, we hear them preaching. I can't think of a prophet casting out demons, especially just by saying, come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just, uh, I like 
this text in particular because it starts off uh, Luke in in verse thirty two for his word possessed authority. Yeah, and then we really get to see a prime example of that authority, kind of uh, plus one. <laughs> you know, right. the people probably saw him as a great teacher with mm-hmm. authority in that regard, uh, maybe knowledge of scripture and and his you know commentary on scripture itself. But then to see his authority, his word of authority, actually cast out a demon is just. I mean, that's next level authority. Oh, yeah. yeah. And with that also, the, the whole idea of, I, I love this text. It's neat. It's interesting. Yay, go Jesus. But we need to place it into just a little bit bigger context. We're in the season of Epiphany. And you pointed this out really well before we recorded the previous text from last week when Jesus speaks of the prophet Isaiah and says, in your hearing, this is fulfilled. I have come to liberate. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's a really great statement. But there's no action behind this during this time. Right, because if you go back uh, to last week's reading, he's in Nazareth, and and he, he really reads from the prophet Isaiah and then says, oh, by the way, that's me. Yes. I'm the one who yeah. has come to give sight to the blind, free the captive, you know, really release people mm-hmm. uh, from their their struggle of the fallenness of creation. And we know that uh, he then actually backs that up. So he's not just proclaiming, not just claiming to be the Messiah, but then there's there's actually action behind it. And he starts to release people mm-hmm. from the fallenness of creation. And here's just one example, releasing the man from spirit possession. Uh, and we get more of that in the rest of this text. But here we have that, that authority coming through, uh, backing up the claim that he mm-hmm. has made and putting some meat on the bones of being the Messiah and, and what that actually looks like. Yeah, and it's the idea that he is truly revealing himself. He's showing it's not that he talks a good game. Let me tell you about all the good things that I can do. He just says, I am he, watch this. And he does it. He restores this man back to his family, back to worship by casting out the demon. And then after this humongous event, and again, I can't imagine all the conversations that happen after this. I mean, think of coming home after church. We saw the demon cast out. But then they go, and they go to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a, a fever, And he heals her. And then the sun is setting, and the surrounding region, the people of the town, bring all the people who are sick, all the people who have diseases, all the other people who have demon possession. Mm -hmm. Another weird question off—it's definitely part of this. How many demon-possessed people are running around that they're— they're mentioned, they're listed. You got the sick, you got the diseased, and they're different and the same, and demon possession. Mm-hmm. How many demon-possessed people are running around that there's actually a group being brought? 
And it's uh, it's kind of remarkable because if you kind of just look at scripture as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, you see this gigantic spike of yeah. mentions, uh, at least mentions of demon possessions when Jesus shows up on right. the scene in, yeah. in the flesh. So you, you have this huge, I mean, if you're looking at it as just like a bar graph, mm-hmm. just this gigantic <laughs> sh- uh, shooting up of, of all these demon encounters. And it really kind of, uh, it, it makes you think about, uh, you know, the spiritual forces and the world right. and all that is in place to try to combat uh, the the word of God made flesh, God himself showing up uh, in this world in a physical sense uh, that now there's just all this opposition of, yeah. of demons popping up. So it's interesting. And with that, what does he do? He heals them. He casts the demons out. Um, and, and even the, the many of the demons, are you the son of God? And... Um, or, yeah, you are making the claim again. You are the son of God. And I, I can't imagine how busy Peter's house would be and all these people coming and the hope of these people coming. And what do they see? What do they receive? And I struggle on this just because, I mean— if you ever had a sick child, you just want that child to feel good, mm-hmm. to feel better. You want to restore them. And, you know, at any means almost. And I'm so curious. People show up. Here's my diseased mother, brother, father, daughter, mother, you know, my family member. Fix them. And, you know, how much teaching, catechesis. Um, and, and I don't think that Jesus made anybody jump through hoops. Do you know who I am? Do you believe this? <laughs> there wasn't Have you a, signed up the membership? There wasn't some kind of litmus test yeah. or quiz before the miracle? Is that what you're saying? Right. You know, um, I need your email so I can send you my, my newsletter. I, I, I think that is, again, the, the generosity of our self-giving God. He gives of himself and he heals everybody. They show up and he heals them. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% sure there's a conversation happening. I'm sure that people are talking. And this isn't that he sets up shop and now he's the local miracle worker. But again, the the immensity of all this, of what's happening, the revealing of God's mercy, God's love, his compassion really comes for everybody, regardless of your situation. And the restoration of life. Mm -hmm. They're healed from their sickness, their disease, or their demon possession. Mm -hmm. What do you do after that? You go home and live. You rejoice. And hopefully you remember it took a miracle to heal you. It took a miracle to restore you to life. There's baptism. There's forgiveness. There's salvation. uh, The foreshadowing of the fullness of the revelation of Christ is with us. And that's, um, I mean, really all these are little examples of, uh, you know, Jesus restoring mm-hmm. a broken creation. And like you kind of mentioned, I mean, the the restoration here goes from spiritual to physical. Mm-hmm. There, there's no distinction here. It's all under his control. So that right. authority coming out again. Uh, and one verb that I circled here on my sheet for the text is rebuked, mm-hmm. because we have in verse 35 verse 39, and then again uh, in verse 41, where Jesus rebuked uh, the demon in the possessed man uh, in a first instance, and then he rebuked the fever Mm -hmm. for Peter's mother, and then he rebuked again another demon 
So we have him uh, using word again <laughs> to call yeah. out, to rebuke, um, and again, both the physical and the spiritual, um, the illness of fever, but then also the illness, the, the, the infirmity of demon possession, and he's casting all of that out, restoring people to uh, regained health with the power of his word. And with that, again, all these people are coming, they're recognizing this authority, they're hearing this word, and he tries to leave and go to a desolate place, let it be for prayer, let it just be for a break. And people keep following him. People keep coming. And, and I'm pretty sure they want to see this work or they want to have this work done to them and they want to hear the teaching. All of this is different. This is foreign to them. They have not seen this. And I, I think that's neat. But what do you hear Jesus say? At the end of our text, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And again, that this word and this word to action aspect, I have been sent for a purpose. Jesus doesn't show up just to get attention. He shows to restore, to teach, to preach, to liberate. Let it be physical. Let it be spiritual. Let it be both. But I love this idea that he really, I have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I wonder, did he look at all these people who are continuing to come, you know, hey, do this, do that. I have to go preach somewhere else. Follow me. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious about this invitation because I really don't think you've been healed, leave me alone. You've been healed, come and live in this sure. with me. I, I don't know because um, I don't think Jesus walked around with an entourage on purpose. I do think that he always constantly had a following. I think this is also where his fame starts to come in. And so wherever he's traveling, word goes ahead, people are gathering to be healed, to, to learn, and so on and so forth. And you hear after this, Jesus starts pulling back a little bit because he doesn't want to be famous. He wants to come to liberate, not gather people and have a following. And I think we can kind of connect the dots here too to um, to really his larger purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the little examples we see here of restoring people, um, those are wonderful, uh, miraculous things. And he definitely came to do that. But he also has a larger purpose, and that is the restoration uh, of all uh, captives to sin, death, and the devil, which you can only accomplish, you can only fulfill that purpose by eventually getting to the cross. Right. Um, so it's this interesting uh, interplay between uh, healing people along the way, spreading what he is there to do, and trying to get people to see who he is, mm -hmm. but then ultimately fulfilling his purpose by getting to the cross and dying for our sins. So there's there's a lot going on, uh, but it's interesting that it wasn't just, I'm going to set up shop here, things look how great all these people are coming here. Mm -hmm. There are bigger fish to fry in a sense. Yeah. I And again, that, that's hard for me to grasp, just for, in the sense that there's so much happening and he has yet not told them about the Son of Man must go suffer and die. Right now he's just healing, and right now he's establishing, this is what I've done. And I really like what you said, because you do actually minimize these healings in a good way. This isn't the focus. Mm -hmm. You get to use these events to point to the bigger purpose 
I'm going to liberate you through my death. It's kind of the warm up for the main yes. attraction kind yeah. of thing. It's like this stuff is all good, yeah, but it gets better. And, and I, I, I really do believe these people miss it. Everybody missed it at this time. Something different, something big has come, and I really like your your, your statement. And something even bigger and better is coming in the promised Messiah. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.